And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Padre Scout Team catcher and third baseman, one of the top uncommitted prospects there in that 2026 class. I got Cody Goff on the JKR Podcast for the San Diego Padre Scout Team Spotlight. Cody, pumped to get you here on the show for week two of this series. How are you doing here this afternoon? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Not too bad, man. Uh, you know, any night I get to talk to two Padre Scout team guys, you know, guys going to that next level, not a bad night. So uh, let's go ahead. Let's dig into it. Let's talk about your baseball career. Uh, but, you know, before we do that, I got one question I always like to ask everybody who gets on the podcast to get it started. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Cody Goff? Um, uh, my name is Cody Goff. I'm a, I'm a guy from Florida. Um. I like to work hard, um, and you know, I, just because my size, that doesn't define me as a player, and and I just like to get after it. Okay, all right. So with this being the Padre Scout Team Spotlight, let's go ahead. Let's dig into you know the San Diego Padres, or I guess sorry, the, the San Diego Padres Scout Team. Kind of take us through your travel baseball experience. You know, playing for them. How exactly did you get connected with this Padre Scout Team? So um, I played a tournament back last fall. Um, I was actually on a different team and we were playing against them. And um, I had a pretty good day. Um, I had a hit and a, a bump for a hit. And um, they hit me up later, later that day. I met later 
a couple two two or three weeks later after the tournament ended, and they're like, I like the way you play. And um, you know, I kind of pushed it back for a little bit. Um, I didn't just jump right on it. And then before the summer, um, you know, I kind of like texted them and I was like, you know, I, I'm ready to take this opportunity to, you know, get ready for the next step. And that's everything kicked off after that. Okay. So, you know, making that jump from whatever travel team you were on before to that Padre Scout team. Um, you know, what's been some of those biggest differences you've seen going to the scout team? Um, the biggest differences I've seen, um, like just like the professional, how projects carry themselves very professionally. Um, you know, with with the Padre Scouts, the other, like the, just everything they do is um strictly MLB like, and yeah, just like the big league way. Okay, so you talk about you know them having a super you know structured team, you know, somewhat like Major League Baseball, you know, playing you know whether that's practicing or game like, you know, be having kind of that big league structure. I'm sure part of that has to do with Cameron Maben being a 15 year big leaguer. For you playing for this Padre Scout team, going through just like a big league structure that these coaches have kind of built for the scout team, learning from a 15-year big leaguer like Cameron, what benefits do you think that's going to bring for your career long term? Um, just like the experience he knows, um, like you can't get no much better experience from a big leaguer that already has done it. It's not like a coach that talks about it. You know, he's done the, done everything we're trying to do. Um, so that's that's just like the big thing of it. For me. Okay. So obviously uh we talk about Cameron Maben, the 15-year big leaguer that everybody knows. You know, Coach Mose, his episode dropped here last well, technically today, but by the time this episode releases, it'll be last week. Um, you know, Brandon as well. I'm sure he might have been the guy that was reaching out to you to get you there on that Padre Scout team. You know, going through playing for this Padre Scout team so far, what have been some of those relationships you've been able to build with Cameron, with Coach Mo, with Brandon? Kind of take us through some of those relationships with the coaches you've been able to build so far. I mean, obviously, yeah, we have been had good relationships from the first time I met them. Um, you know, being with them for two months, you get really get to know the guy. Um, all the coaches, um, especially Coach Brandon. I've been with Coach Brandon for probably I stayed with him probably almost almost the whole summer, really. Um, and yeah, these coaches, you know, they 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 teach us a lot. Um, and you know, we build the relationship with them. You know, they put their trust in you. You put their trust in them, and the relationship's great with them. Okay, so kind of sticking on that topic of relationships, kind of want to talk about that team, those you know that that San Diego Padres scout team roster, the relationships you have with some of those guys on your team. Kind of take us through that. You know, what have been some of the relationships you've been able to build with guys across the country? I know that Padres scout team has obviously you and Nathaniel and Aaron from Florida, but also has you know Ryan Bosch from Michigan, guys from out of the country. Um, I'm sure it was a pretty cool experience kind of joining that Padre scout team and, you know, building relationships with guys across the country. Um, kind of take us through what those relationships have been like. Yeah, you know, normally with the normal team, you would like, you know, go to the tournament three days and then go back home. These guys, you stay with them pretty much the, the whole summer, really. So, you know, you kind of get the, you know, you're staying with them. You get to know how everybody is and how the guys, like the relationship I build with guys, I wouldn't even think I would even talk to in the first place. Um, like my boy, my boy Trent, you know, um, Nathaniel, all those are my homeboys. Um, guys like Bosch, I love Bosch, you know, all the pitchers guys, you know, you you talk to them, you live with them. So you know you build close relationships with all of them. And yeah, a team is team just close like a big family. Yeah. And that's definitely kind of the feeling I've gotten so far, you know, talking to about four or five guys here on the team. But with you being from Florida, again, I know Nathaniel's from Florida. I know uh 
Aaron Hernandez. I think there might be a couple other guys smoking in there as well from Florida. But a lot of this team is guys from across the country. Like I said, you know, guys got guys from out of the country. Michigan there with Ryan Bosch. I think there's guys from Texas, some guys from Cali as well. And I'm sure, you know, there's some other guys as well. Was there a little bit of a culture shock kind of going into this team? You know, this might be the first time you're playing with guys across the country. So what was that feeling going in? Was there a little bit of a culture shock? I mean, a little bit, obviously, um, you know, going into it. Um, I never really, you know, coming up from Florida, it's not really like a lot of black players. So when I when I joined um, the, the Padres, I was really like shocked, um, just like the culture view. And with other guys from Michigan, you know, I never know nobody from Michigan or California. And the vibe they have is is very good. Um, I love it. Um, so really, yeah. And yeah, I love it. Okay, so so far, you know, kind of talking to, like I said, you know, Nathaniel, I've talked to Kai, Ryan, got to talk to Mo there a little bit as well. You know, I've heard you guys got a great team culture there with that Padre scout team. You know, again, I'm sure that has something to do with like the big league culture that, you know, Cameron, Brandon, and Mo have been able to build. Kind of take us through what exactly that team culture is looking like. Um, You know, Mo was telling me about how you and him and Nathaniel have kind of brought a Miami Spice or a South Florida Spice to this team as well. Um, kind of take us through kind of what that team culture is looking like. Uh, good. We, yeah, we know we know we we believe we're the best team in the country. Um, we try to bring that swag to us. Um, yeah, we we bring the swag with us. You know, all the guys. We believe that we're the best out there. We're the top guys. Um, and we just bring that swag. Like with the Miami Florida guys. You know, we from Florida. We're a lot of confident. We believe in what we can do and our abilities. And we're just trying to bring that on to the team. And the team has caught on to it, and they're believing in the two that really best, and that nobody can beat us. Okay, so have a little bit of that swagger on that team. Obviously, youth prospects following you around a lot as well when you guys are going to tournaments, wearing those big league uniforms as well. You know, kind of that mix of things. Do you kind of see maybe that bring an extra target on your guys' back being a part of that Padre scout team? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, we know that we're going to get everybody's best. Everybody's going to come at us hard um, because it's the Padre scout team. But we know being on the Padres scout team, that comes with that. And, you know, we're ready for that challenge. We've been ready for that challenge. And we just not not shying away from it. We like we shine to it. And like we like being under the lights um, and, and everybody being there watching us play. All right. So kind of looking back here on this 2023 summer, kind of take us through that experience with that Padre scout team. Maybe some of the tournaments you guys were hitting, maybe some wow moments when you're starting to realize, oh, shoot, like I'm on the – I believe number seven team in the country. Um, kind of take us through this past summer, potentially this past fall as well. Kind of what's that experience been like with the scout team this past, uh, you know, this past year? You know, obviously the teams I played before. Um, you know, you don't really get that many people. You know, the eye popping looks at oh, there goes the Padre scout team, or you know, everybody's paying attention to you. It's not like you're not going to be on the side field. Everybody wants to see the Padres. Not all the guys want to see us win. You know, some people want to see us lose and some, some people want to see us fail. Um, so, like, we we know that we got to be on our A game um, every time we, we step on the field or or we're going to get beat or upset it. And that's that's just been a um, mentality is take every, every, every game serious and not try to blow over the team and take them and be humble and be ready for every, every opponent. Okay, so kind of looking ahead there to 2024, like I said, I believe you guys are that number seven team in the country for your guys' class. So, you know, what are those expectations heading into the next summer? Um, expectations, obviously, we want to be the number one team in the country. Um, and we want to win majority of the tournaments, not if, if not all. 
And we believe and truly believe we can do that and have, a, um, yeah, we believe those are our goals, be a number one team in the country. That's what my goal, I believe, and 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 win all the tournaments we play in and dominate them. Okay. So, you know, looking up and down that roster there for that Padre scout team, obviously we have mentioned a couple committed guys already, like Ryan Bosch that you're catching on a day-to-day basis, you, Nathaniel Davis, who, you know, if it wasn't for that new NCAA rule, I'm sure there'd be some conversations going on with some schools right now. But with that roster being so loaded, you guys being a top 10 team, with you being around so many guys like that, how are you maybe picking the brains of some of those teammates? Maybe how are they picking your brains? Uh, sorry, your brain. Kind of take us through maybe what those conversations are looking like and how maybe you guys are pushing each other and just kind of growing each other's game. Yeah, you know, obviously we want to push each other. Um, you know, with being with guys like that, obviously, you know, you're going to get better. You know, iron sharp is iron. So being around D1 commits and and guys like that, you know, you're only going to get better. And, you know, everybody wants to be be the best. So it's kind of a little competition, but we all a big family at, at the end of the day, you know, we want, we want everybody to succeed. You know, we want to all eat and, you know, we want to all be the best for each, each of the guys. Okay. So kind of sticking on that showcase slash travel circuit, but maybe moving away a little bit from that Padre scout team with you being one of those best players in the country, had that opportunity to go be a part of that perfect game select fest. I believe it was two years in a row. So Take us through what those experiences was, was like, maybe the day-to-day, what the atmosphere was. Take us through those PG Select Fests. Um, so my first one, the 13th Select Fest, you know, I was proud I made it. You know, I was I, I haven't been around that much competition in one place before. Um, you know, I was kind of glad I made it, but not really like, you know, I meant to be here. Um, but with my second Select Festival that I made, you know, I was trying to make an input in the game, you know, which I did. Um and I was out. The atmosphere was crazy. Um, being on playing on national television with all these um unbelievable guys, the top of the tier of the class, and you know being able to compete against the best of the best and see where you're at and see where you need to improve at, um, to get to the next level. Okay, so you talk about playing with the best of the best. Obviously, that is what the PG Select Fest is. You know, it's the top. You know, so many players in each class. Take us through again. You know, talking about relationships. Who have maybe been some of those guys that you've been able to create a bond with who are from across the country, maybe not guys from Florida, um, but just some guys that you've met there at those PG Select Fests? Um, some of the guys I'm, you know, made connections with um Jalen Walker, RJ Cope, um, plenty of guys, Mills, Mills Carrillo. Yeah, a lot of those guys. Um, I mean, yeah, Miguel Sam was uh there, Quincy Bright, Wells. I mean, pretty much everybody, you know, you 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 get it's 48 guys, so you pretty much get this fill out with everybody, talk it up, chop it up with everybody. So, you know, pretty much everybody I, I had a good connection with, and I, I felt I felt the vibe. Yeah, I'm sure. I've talked to quite a few guys there who've gone to some sort of PG Select Fest, whether that's, you know, your class, maybe the 25s, 27s, and, you know, I always hear, you know, great things when it comes to those events. But kind of moving it on to from travel baseball to the high school scene, you know, had your chance to play your freshman year last spring, heading into your sophomore season this upcoming spring. Take us through what was that freshman season like? Maybe some of the biggest learning curves that you had to do being one of those younger guys on the team. Take us through that freshman season. Um, you know, one of my biggest learning moments um from freshman is, you know, you got to be ready to prepare. Preparation is a very important for high school and and being a freshman. Um that really w- what taught me with high school. Um 
you know, I like I like my high school team. Um, we we kind of we we underachieved a lot, but um, we really we really have fun together. Um, I really appreciate my guys that I had this season with, and yeah, just chopping it up. Okay, so you said you might not have met those you know expectations there for your freshman season. Looking ahead, going into your sophomore year, already having a year underneath your belt. You know, what are those expectations there for this upcoming spring? Um, for this upcoming spring, I'm actually at Lee Squad Academy. So what we do is kind of like we um we train all fall and then get ready for the summer. We play other academy. I'm at spring and we play other academies, which is kind of top notch baseball. Um, it's like you see a lot of a lot of good arms, a lot of guys that are homeschooled and just strictly baseball. It's kind of how they do it over in Dominican Republic. So we're trying to like symbolize what they do and just baseball, 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 schoolwork, baseball, 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 um, and just getting after baseball. Really training training a lot um just getting ready for the the spring and and getting ready for the summer really so okay. what we've been doing so i take it that elite squad academy that's somewhere near your hometown there in florida yes it's out of based out of deerfield beach florida okay so you know obviously there are quite a few academies there in florida i believe a3 might be another one there's some more you know as you kind of move up north there to the carolinas you know going to the elite squad academy what were, I guess, maybe some of the biggest reasons for you choosing them over maybe some other schools you were thinking? Kind of take us through that decision-making process to go to Elite. Um, well, the big point of me for me was, you know, last year in the freshman in high school, you know, I really, you know, you're in school from 3 to one, um, 7.30 to 2.45, and, you know, that takes up the whole day pretty much. And then you got baseball practice, and, you know, you can't, you don't have time to get enough individual work from what I was, what I was thinking. And so the big, the big point was for me was I need to get my reps, you know, get my reps and get, get, get after them weights. Um, so when I went to Elite squad, you know, we went there for one day and I just loved everything about it. Um, we get a lot of reps, you know, you're going to put, get the work that you need to succeed. Um, and it's not like just taking 20 swings every, every four days, like I, you, as you would do as a high school, and a lot of team practice, but you know it's a lot of individual work and team practice instead of just being school and doing and just working on IO instead of you working on your game. Everybody's getting better together and hitting the weights. All right, so having that opportunity to maybe maybe do a little bit more individual work this upcoming winter, this upcoming spring, more than what you would at a regular high school. You know, what benefits do you kind of see this taking your career long term? Being able to put a little bit more focus on within your development. Um, you know, I, I've been going for to Academy for about six weeks and, um, I, I seen the development already. Um, I had a good, uh, good run, a uh, good tournament in, um, WWA, uh, sophomore. Um, and I could tell the improvement I had on with my arm and hitting and just being a better player overall, you know, letting the game slow down and just everything, you know, when you put in the work, um, the game slows down for, for you. So that's, that's the, that was a big thing for me. Okay. So being there for six weeks, I'm sure you're starting to get the feel of what the day-to-day -day looks like, you know, actually going in training with this elite squad Academy, but when that season does start, you guys start playing some other academies, you are, are you know, maybe aren't going through inter-squad scrimmages anymore. What are those expectations as you guys start to face other academies? Um, you know, our expectations are is to win. Um, you know, we're going to compete. Um, you know, we just want to get better, uh, pretty much. Yeah, we just want to get better. You know, we want to get after it. You know, we have a got look a good 
the conference we're in has a lot of good teams. So we just want to see how we rank up with them, and we just want to get after them. Okay, so still being an underclassman, you go into an academy. I'm sure you'll be facing some top tier of talent when it comes to this upcoming spring. Um, who've been maybe some of those guys on the team, maybe some of those you know junior seniors, couple years old, you know, couple years older than you, who've maybe taken you underneath your wing, uh, taken you underneath their wing, kind of showed you the ropes of what it's like playing academy baseball. Um, a lot of guys that was older. Um, one of the catchers, Dylan Dan, Howells, you know, he's been teaching me. You know, just like a little bit of stuff of about just how the academy goes and how the how how what to expect not to just jump out there and and not be ready and prepare for what what you what you get ready to get into. Um, you know, um, Chris Carmona, uh, this kid he's been helping me, Janier, um, a lot of guys that's been helping me from the academy. You know, getting ready and get ready for the next step and be able to because we play three times more as more games as a regular high school would. We play 75 games. So, you know, just staying prepared and, you know, taking care of your body. All right. So I know a lot of academies there, you know, across Florida, across, you know, the Southeast, when you're talking about the Carolinas and Georgia as well, they're all ran a little bit differently. So what does that day-to-day -day look like there for Elite Squad Academy? Is there specific times they want you on your laptop doing work? Is there specific times they want you doing individual work and then team practice? Kind of take us through what that day-to-day -day looks like there at Elite Squad Academy. So what a normal day for us, uh, for me, um, you know, I wake up at 8 and, no, I wake up at 7 and I get ready, you know, get ready, um, eat breakfast. And then by 8, from 8 to 9, I do my work um, for an hour, just get a little bit of work done. And then I go ahead to the academy. I'm into the baseball field and practice starts at 10. Um, and from that, we do – um, individual work with catching, just catchers, infielders, outfielders, you do your work. And then we do a, we do batting cages, BP on the field, BP in the cage, curveball machines, fastballs machines, elevated fastballs, stuff like that just to get your swing right. And then we do a big IO um, team practice. We work on first and thirds, cutoff plays, you know, regular regular stuff for a team that you need to win games, close, game, close ball games, bunt defense. Um, and then after that, so we do that for about three hours. So we leave, so we leave at one. So lunch starts from one to two. So we go, we get lunch, we head to the facility at Boris. And from two to four, we hit the weights. And then after that, we do recovery. Um, and then that's pretty much the not pretty much the day, but after that, we go back home and then you, you knock out the rest of the schoolwork you need, and then that's pretty much the day. Okay, so kind of moving ahead there, taking it from the high school travel baseball scene to potentially there your next steps a couple of years down the road when you're heading to college. Let's kind of dig into the whole recruiting landscape, kind of what's going on. Um, kind of take us through, was there any sort of you know recruiting process going on there before that new regulation? Maybe that excitement you have going on for August 1st. Kind of take us through what that landscape's looking like right now with you being a 26. Um, you know, obviously I was talking, I was, I was, I was talking to schools earlier. But before the before the rule happened, um, you know, I can't wait for August 1st to come so I can get back in the groove with the schools and, you know, looking where I want to take that next step at. Um, before I was talking to schools like FAU, UCF, uh, Georgia Tech, schools like that. And then and then the rule happened. Um, I had a pretty big summer. I was I was pretty, pretty happy about my summer. I had. And um, when I, once August 1st comes, I believe I'll have a lot more schools coming after me. 
um, what this big summer I'm expecting. Okay, so, you know, you're having those conversations. NCAA puts that regulation on. You go ahead, have a great summer there with that San Diego Padres scout team. As you look ahead there to August 1st, how do you see those conversations maybe evolving, being a year and a half older, you know, kind of showing game after game that you can make it to that next level? Kind of take us through how you see those conversations evolving, you know, there August 1st. Um, August 1st, yeah, I, I see the conversations evolving um, with other schools, um, just talking with them and seeing what the best opportunity they can offer for me, for me to get better and for that next step and um where I where what place I ever feel like is home for me. Okay. So you know, as you kind of look ahead to the future, let's say, you know, August 1st comes around, you start on those phone calls with all those different schools across the country. As you go through that process, what are going to be some of those biggest things you're looking for within a coach, within a program, within a school? Kind of take us through some of those, you know, most valuable things you're looking for within a program. You know, some of the biggest things I'm looking for in a program is obviously um, number one, who can develop me the best, um, getting me ready for you know the next level. Who, what place feels like home? The atmosphere, um, what kind? How they do good with catchers there? Um, what what's the coach? How how are the coaches developing you and going to make you the best situation for yourself? And that's what I really look at for when I'm making the next step, um, making a decision on what college I want to go to. But yeah, those are the main, the main, the main squares of what I, I look at for a college that's trying to get after me. Okay. So kind of, you know, looking ahead to when you do get to that next level, wherever it is, um, you know, I know you are a catcher and a third baseman, but where do you kind of see yourself playing as you move ahead within your career, kind of get to that next level? Where do you see yourself on the field? I see myself behind the plate. Um, yeah, I think that 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 helps my body. That's what my best body um size will probably be is behind the plate for me. Um, yeah, I see myself behind the plate. Okay, so when you are behind the plate, are you calling pitches or are your coaches generally doing that? Um, I call the pitches. Um, you know, uh, I I have a little experience. Uh, you know, I study the game, but you know, uh, Mo helps me with like if you need if he sees something that I'm not seeing he'll help me help me with during the game and help me call the pitches. Um, or Cam will do that too. Um, but may, for the most part, I call the pitches. Okay, so I know calling pitches can't be easy. You kind of said, you know, Mo and Cam are maybe helping out on occasion as well. You know, as you started to call pitches there, whenever, whenever that kind of did start for you, what have been some of those biggest learning curves for you? Maybe some of those biggest lessons, uh, you know, as you kind of go ahead and started calling pitches there, whenever that was within your career. Um, you know, when I started learning, um, when I made a little bit messed ups, um, when I was like 13, you know, I was calling pitches that didn't make sense, make sense. And then when I started actually studying what, what you should be looking for when calling pitches, like say the batter moves up in the box, you, you wouldn't call no pitch like that or on the, on the batter, you know, so and a guy has a long swing, you know, we'll go inside, jam the batter up, um, yeah, stuff like that. I would be. I used to call pitches outside when the guy had a long swing. Like that doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, just just making making smarter plays, um, smarter pitch calls for my pitcher for my pitcher to be better. And and you know, if he makes if he looks good, I look good behind the plate. So it works for both of us. 
Okay. So you talk about what exactly you're looking for. Obviously in travel baseball, you're facing so many different teams. You can't go ahead and get scouting reports on them. So how are you looking for things maybe on the fly when a guy's on deck, as he walks up to the batter's box, what are some of those key things you're looking for before you start to kind of call pitches for that AB? Um, you know, obviously one, you got to know who your pitcher is. Um, when, when, for, when I look at, I like try to look at the feeding in the box and how they get in the box. You know, I try to see, look at their swings, swings, long, short, compact to the ball. Um, those are things I try to look at. Um, you know, some of the guys we may know already that, that, that we're playing and what they can hit and not hit or what they're aggressive with. And, you know, some guys you may start off with a, a two curveballs in a row. So they don't see that fastball yet. And then when they're sitting on the curveball, you give them that fastball and the ball's by you. Um, so just simple stuff like that, picking up on little things. Um, Mrs. Mex is with the batter. So, like, when I know when I'm hitting, I know what catchers are doing when I'm trying to hit. So that's that's the, that's the game we play. Okay. So you talk about knowing your pitchers. Obviously, that's really important. You know, building a good relationship with them, kind of knowing their pitching repertoire, kind of building some trust. Kind of take us through how you go about building relationships with your pitchers. I'm sure that may be something that you had to kind of focus on when you were joining that Padre scout team or even joining that elite academy. Take us through how you go about building that relationship and building that trust within your pitching staff. You know, um, we're one of being a catcher's make your, your pitchers pull, feel comfortable and and they believe in you. Like, you know, if they, they're not feeling comfortable, you know, you can be able to go up to them and calm them down. Um you know, you just you want to be the pitcher's best friend. You know, you're like kind of the pitcher's security guard, really. Um, you know, balls in the dirt. You know that you got to be able. That's your job to block them. That's not their job. You know, their job is to do one thing, and 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 compete up there, really. And you're supposed to be the security guard and, and do do where you're supposed to do block balls. Um, just make them feel confident. Um, when you know off the field, you just chill with the pitchers. You know. Ask them what's their best stuff, what what pitch you feel most confident in that you can believe that you can get to that, throw that strike every time, that that main pitch that you know you, you could throw a strike with and with ease. Um, you know, just make building relationships with the guy, knowing understanding your pitcher. You know, if his best pitch is his curveball, you know you're gonna call the curveball more often or or yet more than the fastball, or um just just getting that pitch that he knows he can throw for a strike and just calming him down. Okay, so earlier you kind of mentioned that there are some benefits to hitting when it comes to you being a primary catcher, being behind the plate so often. And that's always a question I like to ask you catchers. So, what are those benefits of being a primary catcher when it comes to actually, you know, when you're in that when you're in the box? Um, you know, one, you see you see the spin of the ball all the time. So you kind of know you you know when you're catching, you know how the spin, how what how's it break, how does it rise, how the two seam looks. You know, you're seeing it firsthand. You're catching the ball. Um, so when when I go hit, um, I feel like, you know, I should already know the spins on the ball and pretty much everything that's coming at me and being prepared and ready for what's what needs to happen um, and just getting ready for it. Okay, so let's kind of dig into the hitting side of things here for you. First off, kind of dig into your hitting approach. You know, let's say you're on deck. You're watching the guy in front of you. You're watching that pitcher kind of warm up, whatever, start walking up to that batter's box. Kind of take us through what's going through your mind. What are you trying to do with each at bat? What does that hitting approach look like? Um, you know, my hitting approach, you know, like another thing, going back to my preparation, um, you know, you have to be ready, um, paying attention on deck. What is he throwing at the guy before you? What is he how's he attacking him? Um, is he going with the fastball first pitch? Is he going with the fastball curveball? 
um, O2 count, what is he going with, breaker or fastball, um, just getting my timing down really and and getting prepared for the um the pitch. You know, I like to be aggressive, but when I go up, I like to be aggressive and get that, you know, I'm looking for that fastball first first for the first two strikes, getting ready, trying to attack the fastball. So are you, let's say you don't get that first fastball there, um, end up getting on two strikes. Are you a big two-strike approach guy? Or how do you kind of, you know, go about that when you get two strikes on you? When I get two strikes, you know, I'm thinking just put the ball in play, you know, because I believe, you know, um, anything, uh, putting the ball in play, something can happen. You striking out, it, nothing happens. It's just going to be a strikeout. So just we're working on, I just think about putting the ball in play and, you know, let let my speed help me try to break up something, you know, the guy may rush with the ball, he, he may bobble it, um, but none, nothing that happens if you don't put the ball in play. Okay, so I know as I was looking through your account, saw that you are a switch hitter. So you don't see that too, you don't see that very often when it comes to high school baseball. Take us through how exactly did that come about? Which one was your, which one did you kind of start off with and how do you train yourself on the other? Take us through how you became a switch hitter. Um, I came a switch hitter when I was seven. Um, My granddad, my dad, and my uncle, you know, they they decided that I should be a switch hitter. And, you know, my uncle's my, my coach growing up. So he kind of made me like, you know, when I just want to stay on my right side, um, you know, you have to, you know, you have to get ready and develop on the left side. Um, so like during the game, um, during the game, you know, you know, I wanted to go on my right side because I'm not feel I'm not, I don't feel comfortable on my left side. So really what I was doing. He was make forcing me to go on my left side to feel comfortable. Now I now I feel, you know, maybe more comfortable on my left side now than I do on my right side because you know I see it more often because there's a lot more righty pitchers. Um, yeah, so I'm thanking him for that really. Okay, so obviously being a switch hitter, you have to train you know two times as much as a guy who's just sitting on one side. Take us through the training. Take us through the development of you being a switch hitter. Um, you know, being a switch hitter, you got really put in double the work really. Um. You know, instead of taking 60 balls, you would take 120 balls. Um, so yeah, you just gotta put double the work in. You know, it's kind of you got it's a focused thing. Um, you know, you don't want to get tired on one side and then be sloppy on the other side. And then then it's just a bad practice. You know, you want to stay focused, you know, maybe take shorter, shorter cuts, less cuts, but make more more efficient cuts and on both sides. Yeah. All right, so kind of digging into the mechanics, and this is going to be on both sides if the mechanics are a little bit different. Take us through from that load up to that follow through. What are those mechanics looking like, and how maybe they have been, and maybe how they've matured as you've evolved as a baseball player? Uh, they matured on my on my right side. So I used to like you know kind of drop my hands a lot. Um, you know on my right side, I try to try to stay more compact and more for down down angle to the ball, um, creating line drives. You know, on my left side, you know, I, I changed a lot. Um, you know, I used to when when I first started switch hitting, you know, it wasn't nowhere where it should be. Um, but now, you know, I'm I'm more compact to the ball. Um, I feel like on my left side, you know, nobody I, I believe I can hit anything, you know, I just is my confidence on my left side, you know, or my right side. It doesn't matter to me. Um, yeah, just being confident, really. It was a big confident thing. Not really mechanical. Mechanical was just kind of just, you know, staying on top of the ball, not popping up, you know, because the new swing, everybody wants to do the new swing. You know, I'm a smaller guy, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm just trying to think gap to gap and hitting the ball hard, solid contact and getting good wood on the bat.
So you talk about being a smaller guy. I think one common theme with pretty much everybody I've talked to so far on this podcast series, I bring up Cody. They're talking about, yeah, he may not be the tallest guy, but his heart, his passion is, you know, heads and shoulders above everybody else. Kind of take us through where does that heart, where does that passion for the game of baseball come from? Um, it came, you know, it comes from, you know, I used to play football. You know, you got to have a lot of passion. You know, you got to love the game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dog. So I believe I'm, 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 I'm the dog. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I trap, I talk trash, you know, I'm, I'm going to respect the game, but you know, um, I'm passionate about everything I do. You know, I, I want to be the best and, you know, I got, you know, they try to hate on me, but you know, I believe I'm the best. Um, where I got my passion from is my granddad. You know, he takes everything serious. You know, when you, when you're competing, you know, you can't be smiling. You know, you're competing, trying to trying to win. You're trying to do your best. Like one thing he tries to tells me when like when they're fighting boxing, you don't see the boxers smiling. You know, you see them trying to get out there and knock your head off. That's just my mentality playing baseball. Okay, so kind of looking at your game's entirety. So whether this is behind the plate, hitting from the left side, hitting from the right side, the relationship you have with your pitching staff. If you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you write up on yourself? Um, on my personal scouting report, I would put, you know, smaller guy, um, you know, passionate about the game, works hard, um, a switch inning catcher, you know, um, I don't know how to say it really, but without being biased, but yeah, I, I would say um, works hard, hustles on and off the field. You know, helps the team win. Great energy guy, um, and just wants just wants to win. Being and being a dog. Okay, so one final baseball question here before we do dig into that last segment. Um, two parter question here. Obviously, off season just started. You said you've been an elite there for six weeks. Have already seen a pretty big adjustment. Kind of take us through. What are the key points of emphasis within this off season's development before that spring season gets started there at Elite? And then also second part to that question, maybe even looking further down the road when you're stepping foot on campus as a freshman, what are some of those key points of emphasis for these next couple of years within your development? Um, my development, obviously, I want to, you know, get bigger and stronger. Um, but, you know, I've been trying to get more miles per hour on my, my catching behind the plate. Um, just, you know, working on my arm um getting bigger stronger you know working on my hitting everything you know just to get me better and ready for the next level you know uh Lee Squad's been helping me um showing how they, how they do it at college and Richie Palmer has been helping me how 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 they do it on how they do it at colleges and getting me ready and he kind of wants it in the college setting um so kind of just getting me ready for for everything Okay, so I got one final segment here for you before we do end it off. Like I said, like digging into the personal side to end off these podcasts. Um, first off, passions beyond the game of baseball. Obviously, we are in the offseason right now. So when you aren't training, you aren't going to school, what are some of those passions, some of those hobbies you have beyond the game of baseball? Um, hobbies, you know, I like to hang out a lot with my friends. Um, uh, hobbies, I like to play a little bit of ping pong. Um, you know, I like to play Fortnite on the on the video games. Um, you know, it's a new season coming about coming out, by the way. Um, yeah, I my hobbies, yeah, I just like being with my friends, you know, just chilling with my friends, um, being on the game, you know, with the guys, chopping it up with my teammates. Yeah, pretty much everything, you know, what a normal teenager would be doing. All right, so moving it from passions to motivations, obviously you talk about being a dog, having a lot of passion there on that baseball field, having passion for pretty much everything that you do. 
what are some of those motivations that help you get out of bed every morning, you know, continuously evolve as a ball player, as a person, what would be some of those key motivations that you have? Um, key motivations, you know, um, my, my family's a house full of athletes. So, you know, you, you want to be, you want to be the best athlete in your family. So that's the one motivation, you know, obviously I want to be the best player I can be, um, you know, cutting yourself short is not good. Um, you know, you want to put in the work because God bless you with these talents. He wants, he wants you to go after what you, what you know you can do and your abilities that you're blessed with. Um, that's, that's motivation. That's another motivation there for me. Um, just to get up every day and, and go after it. Uh, taking that question a little bit further, let's say you keep using those motivations to continuously get better as a person, continuously get better as a ball player. What would be that perfect picture of your life 20 years down the road? You keep using those motivations. What does that perfect picture look like? Um, perfect picture. Um, I want to be a Hall of Famer 20 years from now. Um, you know, just being in the big leagues, you know, being an accomplished player, um, a good person on and off the field. You know, have a nice family. Um, that's where I see myself in the big picture 20 years from now, really. Okay. All right. So I got six more questions here for you before we do end off this podcast. Going to ask them in a rapid fire pace, three rounds of two questions here. So first off, coolest contact in your phone, scrolling through those contacts. Who's that contact? I guess maybe beyond Cameron Maben. I know uh, I'm sure he's a pretty cool contact for you to have, but maybe beyond Cameron, Who's that coolest contact that you have? Um, then second question, go-to playlist. Um, you know, whether that's working out, whether that's going on a long drive, what would be that music that you're putting on? Um, probably Chris Eubanks is probably my my most famous contact. Um, and the music playlist I listen to, I listen to a lot of Kodak Black, um, Lil Baby. Yeah, that's kind of my playlist right there. Yeah, that's what I'm listening to before the game, you know, getting ready, locked in you know, ready to dominate the competition. Okay, there we go. So digging into that second round of two questions, let's say I'm taking a trip to your part of Florida. You know, I've never been to South Florida before. So what are some of those recommendations you got for me? Restaurants, places to go, places to go see, things to go do. What would be those recommendations? And then let's say you're having dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would be at that table? Okay. Um. So, so let's see. What I say, what you do when you come down here? Um, I say obviously go check out the beach, uh, go down to Miami Beach, go see that how that is, um, and then go up to Orlando, see all the the amusement parks up there. Um, yeah, that's really what I say. If you come to Florida, that's what you should you you will want to see. Um, and then going to the three people at the table. Um, I, I have to say four pretty much: my brother, my sister, my dad, and my mom. Um, life or death. That's that's who I'm going with. Okay. All right. House full of athletes there at the table, but uh, digging into the final two questions here for you. Um, TikTok for you, Paige. Let's say you're going on your phone, scrolling through that app. What are some of those different TikToks that you're seeing? And then final question, dream NIL brand. You get to college there, whatever school it is there in a couple of years, have that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. What would be that dream brand to endorse, collaborate, or partner with? Um. So what I see on my TikTok page, I see a lot of dancing, obviously. Um, you know, just like stuff that's going on right now around the place, uh, around Florida, um, just relatable stuff that I like to laugh at and it's funny. Um, and IG reels, I like to look at that too. But um, and then you said dream nil brand. Oh, dream nil brands. Um, I don't really have any dream nil plans. Um, 
but really whoever offers the most money, uh, that's what, that's my dream plan. Uh, whatever has the most money for me. Okay. All right. You know, that's not, that's not a bad brand that, I mean, that's not a bad plan there going into it. You know, whoever's offering the most money that you got, obviously, you know, that's, that's gotta be a good thing. But um, anyway, man, that that's the final question here for you on the podcast. You know, really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, it's great getting to meet you. Great getting to learn about your baseball career. Um, You know, as you go through, these next couple of years there at Elite, next couple of years with the Padre Scout team, you know, go through that recruiting process. That's going to start probably about a year from now. Um, I do want to wish you the best of luck in the rest of your baseball career, man. But again, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, man.